A little while ago, I had the chance to visit Hakone, a mountainous region about one and a half hours outside Tokyo um, that offers many opportunities for hiking. Uh, along one of the roads, um, I found a little tea house and it was very cute, hosted inside an old building. Um, nice, but perhaps uh, nothing extraordinary. Um, but when I talked to the owner, he mentioned the place had been founded in 1604, so at, um, during the early years of the Tokugawa period. Um, and that ever since, um, this place had been in the hands of his family. Uh, so he is in fact the uh, 13th generation successor of this um, small family business. Um, I found it truly amazing that this place had been around for such a long time. Um, but I also couldn't help but wonder um, whether it would be able to withstand this, the challenges of the 21st century. This is the DWIH Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Axel Karpenstein. And today we will talk about family business in changing times, drawing on examples from Japan as well as Germany, um, both countries being home to a large number of family business, family businesses and some um, with the history of many centuries. Over the next 60 uh, minutes, we will discuss three main issues. Um, we will talk about the nature and characteristics of family business in Japan and Germany, um, their similarities as well as differences. We will um, talk about the challenges of the 21st century um, that family business have to deal with. For example, competition from large companies, globalization, internationalization, digitalization, or the ization words, as well as the recent COVID-19 pandemic. And lastly, we will also um, take a look at what research can contribute to our understanding of family businesses and our understanding of the dynamics and developments of this sector of the economy. Um, to help us with all these questions, uh, we are very fortunate to have three experts on family business and um, international economics with us today. Um, so I'd like to welcome Dr. Sigrun Kaspari of the Witten Institute for Family Business, um, or WIFU, which is in fact Europe's largest research institute on family business. Also, Professor Toshio Goto of the Japan University of Economics, publisher of a white book, um, so to speak, on Japanese family businesses. And also Professor Masahiro Nagata of Leitaka University, which is in fact currently um, planning to open a new research institute on family business this year. Uh, welcome to you all and thank you very much for making time today. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. It's, uh, it's our pleasure. Um, a, a brief note to our viewers. Um, if you want to get in touch with our guests, um, if you find their research, um, the things that they mentioned today interesting, um, please check out our website. Um, also, if you go to our website, you can find a link um, to um, the website Slido. You can use this website to post your questions to our guests today. Um, in fact, some of you were already quick and posted some questions um, and early enough so that we can actually integrate them very easily in our talk today. Um, I'd like to start with one um, question, um, and that is a, a puzzle on, on my part. Um, when I was studying um, the Japanese economy at university many years ago, um, there was a lot of talk about um, 
the big Japanese firms, large firms, conglomerates, uh, the Keidetsu or the pre-war Zaibatsu. Um, and even today, I have the feeling that we hear fairly little about family businesses, at least in Japan. Um, in Germany, I think there's more talk about the, the Mittelstand, as it's called, um, that comprises many family-run businesses. Um, Professor Goto, perhaps I, I can start the question by addressing you. Um, is it just my, my imagination or is there really very little talk about family businesses in Japan? Who to start? Yes, we can hear you, Professor Goto. You can just speak. Okay. The question is very simple, and the answer is very simple from my viewpoint. The research on family business started the first in the world in the United States in the 1950s, which was followed by European countries, including Germany. Japan is among the latest incomers. Back in 1950s or even in 1970s, when I was in the United States, nobody talked about good thing about family business exactly the same way as we do here in Japan. So it's a historical issue. The, the factors accounting for that is the bad image prepared by the mass media. That's very That's interesting. It. Yeah, but uh, but isn't it true that that family business after the the Second World War as well probably constituted the the, the vast majority of, of firms? Always in the history of Japan and the rest of the world, family business are the majority of all companies. As we may talk more in detail later on, based on the figure, but Japan. We have majority of the companies are family-owned, family-managed. You said about Zaibatsu. Yes, that is one part of the family businesses, big family businesses, which was affected by the United States. But putting it aside, still majority of the family majority of the companies existing in the world, whether it's you know, developing countries or developed. Situation is the same, same. Some difference, of course, be, exists between among the countries. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Kaspari, um, what would be your, your assessment of the situation in Germany? I mean, uh, my impression is you, you, you hear quite a lot about the, the Mittelstand. Um, perhaps for our viewers, we might have to define what the Mittelstand actually is referring to. It's not just family businesses. But um, does it does it mean that family business is actually very central to our perception of the, the German economy? Oh, thank you for this question. Definitely, yes. The, the, the family business is, uh, yeah, maybe uh, as in Japan, more than ninety percent of the of the businesses is uh, run by family or owned by family or managed by a family member. But this, uh, yeah. It, consists only of uh, roughly 50 or 60 percent. It depends a little bit on the on the definition of the employees. So the very big companies are maybe the blue chips, you know, which are listed companies. But if you um, as soon as you, you go out of this listed company um, segment, then the family business is, is a really a large, large number. And maybe I um, admit one word to the to the word Mittelstand. 
in many statistics, Mittelstand is yeah, maybe maybe listed as equal to family business. But this is not 100% true because there are companies which is uh, um, in, the, in the middle size, which are not family business, and there are larger companies which in, are family business. So it depends a little bit on the definition of family business. Yeah, we'll we get to that in, in, in a little bit. Um, I, I remember when we all met um, two weeks ago to prepare for our talk, we discuss this very interesting issue that um, there isn't there, there, there are of course course words to describe family-owned businesses in Japanese but um, partly these are English loan words um, it's very interesting that this this concept has been or it seems at least has been neglected for some time um, I, professor Nagata um, I, uh, I talked to some some of my colleagues actually while preparing for this talk um, and we discussed the, the different words that are being used in Japanese for family-owned business. Um, th there's a word, um, dozoku egyo, I think. Uh, so um, management by uh, the same um, family. Um, and my colleague said that this actually has some, some sort of negative connotation. Uh, is that true? And, and uh, if so, <laughs> what would you say uh, might be the reason for that? Uh, in my view... Uh, in Japan, still, there are some some kind of a negative image about the family business. But uh, my point, uh, my viewpoint is a little bit different from yours. I'm not concerned about the size, big or small, or cadets or not. But rather, uh, in my understanding, the the world companies can be classified into two types. One is an uh, Anglo-Saxon type. And it means uh, uh, maybe originated from the East India companies. Uh, for them, companies are function groups that make money. The second group is uh, maybe the Japanese or German type companies. For them, companies are in some sense uh, extension of the village community. Therefore, the most important thing for them is a, a continuation rather than uh, making money. Make, maybe the making money is secondary. A good example is a Fuji Film Holding Corporation in Japan. Nowadays, it's uh, very hard to find a film at any store. Uh, if it were the US company, they will make it go bankrupt, scrap and uh, build, uh, maybe fire the employees and uh, start a new company. But uh, uh, Fujifilm still exists, surviving in Japan and uh, initiating a new businesses such as uh, uh, cosmetics or the fine chemicals. And uh, under the name of film, they sell it. Uh, not all, but uh, uh, most uh, family businesses belong to the latter type, in my understanding. So maybe those two are interact with each other or exist in the, even the 21st centuries. Yeah. But, uh, how their role changes uh, very interesting topic uh, for me. That that reminds me of of, um, of things I heard in my economics classes, Japanese economics classes. That even in in large Japanese companies, you know, the uh, your connection as an employee to the company is very strong. It's almost like a family. So is 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 it uh, is it actually that the Germany and Japan, the the families, uh, sort of the model 
behind these businesses. And uh, this is in contrast to, to the United States, for example, or other countries. Professor Goto, what would you say? Yes, I would say so because Japan has a long, long history, which is based upon family and community in the local villages. But so is the case in Germany, in my understanding. Uh, one of the most favorite uh, German language to me is Gemeinschaft. Gemeinschaft versus Gesellschaft. In my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. So community versus society, yeah. Traditional yeah. society based upon, you know, the emotion or, you know, family tie or a local community tie. Versus Gesellschaft means the market-oriented uh, community or society. So the, this kind of difference is used to exist both in Japan and Germany, but in the rest of the world, situation much in the pre-modern age was same, same, right? Yeah. So this is what I agree. That's, that's interesting. Dr. Kaspari, what would you say? I, I'm thinking, although maybe people usually don't pay that much attention to it, but they are, like in the United States, some of the, the very large companies are actually family-owned businesses like Walmart. Um, are, are, there, are there differences, uh, significant differences between um, family businesses across countries, especially Japan, Germany on the one side and, and maybe the Anglo-Saxon countries on the other side? Yes, I would agree to this point because um, one, one thing we always mention is that craft is something which is very important for a family business and to hand over to the next generation. So this is a very, very important point to, uh, that the family business wants to, to trade or to hand over the, the wealth the, the craft, the tradition from the past to the next generation. And this is a very, very important point when you define family business. And in, if you put the craft in the center yeah, and, and, and how you are able to, 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 yeah, to hand over this craft, this is kind of you do within a trust-related lineage. And this is yeah. the family. Yeah, and if and and craft is very much important for the German and I think also for the for the Japanese society, and this is the reason why there are so many long-lasting, long long um, yeah, uh, lasting family businesses in both countries. Yeah, and yeah, this is a question I really wanted to come to today. Um, when preparing for this talk, I took a look at, at a list of of um, old and very old businesses, and uh, Japan by far has the most. There are more than twenty, I think, that that are older than that that were established before the year thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred. In Germany too, there are many um, family-owned businesses that that go back many centuries. Um, so you would say it's it's the um, the focus on the lineage. Um, how how can Japan and Germany manage actually to to maintain the lineage? And how what, why can other countries, for example, why is it more difficult there? Maybe two aspects on that. The one is on, on you need to you need to prove somehow that your business is as old as you as you say that it is. So if there is a fire or is a war or something like that, then you cannot prove how old your family business is. And the second point is definitely the lineage, the name, the name of the family. You need to keep it, keep it. And the Japanese family system is, is one point to that. 
And uh, if you go for German family businesses, somehow they they change the name or they change the name of the family business. Yeah, but even they have the same bloodline. Blood, bloodline. Yeah. yeah, and this is some maybe Faber Castell. Yeah, this is two families no, who have the name in the in the, 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 the pencil maker. Pen, yes, the pencil yeah, okay. maker. Yeah, this is so and it come out of two families because there, were, there was one original and then the second one married and then they took both names. But for many Japanese, it was more important to keep the family name. Oh, so the the family business we have in Japan, they are mostly uh, still under the same name as maybe 100 years or even 200, 300 years ago. Interesting. Um, May I? Yeah, Professor Goto, yes, please. Let me answer to your question, Axel, in slightly different manner. Yeah. The family business in Japan seldom sell themselves out to other people. They try to keep the company for generations under its own family name. And they are very proud of having the name of the company based upon the name of the family. So they never or they seldom change. While I found, I did some comparative study of long-lived family businesses mm. across the nation, national boundaries to find out in the other part of the world, the United States, Germany, or Italy included, I found among the long-lived family businesses in these countries, M&A took place some time ago for half percent, 50% uh, of those long-lived family businesses. Yeah. So even though what I'm saying is, even though the longevity is well over a century, but this longevity is not managed by a sole family. This is the question. Uh, this is the answer to your question. Yeah, oh, that's very interesting. So succession is important for in, in both countries, uh, but maybe the, the way businesses go about it differs slightly. Is that am I reading that correctly? I think that it depends upon the value which to which family in you know, In Japan, continuity under the same family name is most important, while in the rest of the world. The money is more important. Sigram yeah. may object to that, no, maybe no. have no opportunity <laughs> yeah. to do that, but the, this is the conclusion of my research. Yeah. Of course, the family business in Europe and the United States love their name and the continuity under their name. But when it comes to sell or not to sell, they sell. There, this is a little bit yeah. a good point on, on, on who is running and managing the company. Yeah, and what is the family business? Again, let us come back to the definition. If you just run it with one family and then no, you, 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 you collect the money and then you sell it and uh, not and the business is there and the family is there, so you separate the ownership, then you still cannot um, call it a family business any longer. But yeah. the family business and, and the understanding of Vifu is, is is definitely slightly different because it is always transgenerational. Yeah, there must be a will in the family business to give the family the business in the hands of the family to the next generation. And maybe this separates our our uh, position a little bit from that what you say statistical data. Uh, if you say Mittelstand, Mittelstand is uh, uh, 
family business. This is not always true. Of course, there are some family business, but the Mittelstand, this has a, a different origin, a different historical um, development. Uh, and then, of course, to keep that, the, the, the legal, the social and the cultural norms you know, from the from the past to the next generation. I think yeah. this, is, this is important. On the, this is the... The central definition of a family-run um, business, the, the succession that is passed from one generation to the next? Um, let it, yes, for the VIVO um, research, it is very important that, that you have a family business who has the will and uh, um, voices the will to do so. Yeah. yeah. There are other family business, they just run the business and have one family. And then if there is enough money, they sell and keep the money in the family and go out of the business. Yeah. I, Professor Gunther, I will get, get to you in a, in a second. Um, yes. in, in the background, we're already getting a very interesting questions. Uh, there are also some this questions is, I'd, I'd like to exactly ask Professor Nakata, but please please re respond first, yes. This is exactly the point where we differed from our colleague in Germany. Uh, I received Sigram and her colleagues from life several year, couple of years ago. That time I show lengthy list of long living companies in Japan and the rest of the world. At a glimpse, the wife people said, this is not a family business because more than half of those long lived companies in Germany is not under the influence of the founding family. From my viewpoint, the definition is what we have to discuss, but the family business is under the influence of a family, whether it's founded family or not, irrespective of, under the family. This is the key. Yeah. Thank well, you very that much. Give me right. There is a definition, of course, and this is the usual one we have, yeah. that the, the ownership must be in the, in the hand of a, a, a family member or a, a, a small number of family number, members or the management or the government. Yeah, so there is there is no difference on that. But we have a special focus on this part that we want to have at the transgenerational family business in our before research. Yeah, there's, of course, more research and more statistical data on middle stand, which is close to family business, but yeah. not 100%. Yeah, so and we, we are not totally separate. Yeah. What she's talking is very narrow definition of family business. Yeah. Under the founding family, I'm saying more wider definition is necessary, among which, in which we can differentiate a family business under the founding family and the rest. Yeah, interesting. It's very interesting discussion. Yeah. Okay, so there, there might be different uh, definitions, a narrow one, a wider one. Um, let me um, pick two questions from, from our audience that I find very interesting. And I, I'm wondering, Professor Nagata, maybe you're in a good position to comment. Uh, one deals with um, the Japanese economy in general or SMEs. Um, there's also another one that is very interesting. Um, J Japan has a high inheritance tax. Um, so mm -hmm. how, how is it possible for businesses to move easily from one generation to the next? This, this is one question I, I find it very interesting. Yeah, it's a, maybe one of the important uh, points, and especially if they succeed uh, there, that uh, real estate, for instance. In that case, uh, without saying that they can't uh, pay a uh, tax, inheritance tax. 
But uh, maybe that uh, system could be either uh, released or, uh, yeah, irregulated in some sense. Yeah. So make uh, uh, yeah, son or daughters easy to succeed. So that's the current situation. Uh, may I ask one comment about the, the lifetime of the companies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, for instance, uh, many family businesses in Japan, the founder uh, leave uh, some uh, philosophy uh, right down. And uh, in those uh, uh, philosophy, sometimes uh, they they say that uh, don't uh, pursue or don't stick the profit. Rather, what is important is a contribution to the society or the, the contribution of the community. So the succession, uh, sorry, the continuation. So that is the nature of the community. That is a, a most important aspect of the family business, regardless if it's located in Japan or the Germany or the, even the United States. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, there's there's another very interesting question um, about um, SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprises. And um, maybe I should proceed it with a question um, comparing Japan and Germany, um, how many family-owned businesses actually fall under the category of, of small and medium-sized enterprises? Are there, I, I would imagine there are also probably some some very large ones. Um, I, I think in Germany, B, um, BMW, the the car maker, isn't. I, I think it's a family-owned business. There, there are some others as well. As I said in the beginning, there is some very big ones, and there are many small ones, and there are the very very small ones, and therefore it is so difficult to have a, a definition on that. Yeah, if you go to the to the family business of the entire. Family um, number of the businesses in Germany over 90% are owned by family, and and I agree to the just the definition of uh, Professor Goto on this. Yeah, yeah. and uh, um, if you go um, to the to the uh, employees, it's uh, roughly uh, 60% of the employees who are in, um, employed by a family business. I think the, the number in Japan is slightly higher. Looking regarding to the turnover, it's over 50% of the turnover of uh, German family businesses and, you know, regarding to the overall businesses. Yeah. So there is an economic contribution, which is uh, not to be neglected, uh, but uh, somehow you need to, 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 to be careful on the definition because there is statistically different definition, for instance, for a European Union yeah. with regard to funding. So they have a slightly different definition on that. Yeah, usually you've, what you find in the statistics is um, the, the the definition of the um, um, Mittelstand Institute for Mittelstand Forschung, Forschung in Bonn. Yeah. yeah, and so they have the definition, and we of course we follow to this definition in Vflu. Yeah, but when we have our research, we prefer the um, the long living, the, the transgenerational companies. So yeah. we do not neglect the other definitions. Professor Goto, um, since you're also familiar with family businesses in other countries in the world, um, are, are there structural differences, would you say, between Japanese family business or the, the structure of the, the um, um, Japanese family business sector compared to other countries? And a second question that I'd like to ask Professor Nagata, um, whether there are maybe structural differences in, in, um, in small and medium-sized enterprises, which as a topic is slightly different from the family-owned businesses. Before going to details let me start with definition 
and some data to support it. Number one, in the academic society in the world, there are more than 20 different definitions about family business. But everybody agrees only one point. Family business is under the influence of the family. What kind of influence? There is difference. What kind of family? Difference. <laughs> How much family influence? Different. But my definition based upon that uh, the, the consensus in the world is any family business, uh, family business is any firm under the influence of a family, either of the executives, board member, or shareholders. Okay, that is the thing. Yeah. Starting with the definition, I found very interesting thing in Japan. Number one, we have in Japan, all over Japan, 2,600,000 companies listed or unlisted together. Among those companies, family business account for 96.9%. So majority is, right? Okay, this okay. is for the, all companies. Yeah. And family business employs 74.4% all, for all workers in Japan, okay? So the be, majority, of, than, those, majority yeah. of those family business are, of course, you know, small to medium. So that would be a However, higher percentage than, than in Germany, although right, the definition right, might right, be slightly right. okay, yeah. That's what I said. Right. That's what uh, Sigram said. Yeah. Okay. So that is for the all companies' situation story in Japan. Yeah. But it includes big corporations such as Toyota. Now, focusing on listed companies' side, the picture is somehow different because in Japan, the number of all listed companies in Japan here is 3,800. So Japan has 3,800 listed companies of which family business account for 52.9%. So, you know, magnitude among listed company and uh, magnitude among all company differs. Mm -hmm. But still, both tells the importance, magnitude of family businesses. That's very interesting. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Professor, Professor Nagata, on the, the issue of, of small and medium-sized enterprises, um, would, right. would you be able to say whether there are structural differences between Japan and Germany or other countries for that matter? Uh, yeah. My major is international ex economics, especially the international trade. So I'd like to show some uh, interesting uh, aspect of the Japanese industrial structure. Uh, when, uh, especially the uh, trade structure. And many people think that the Toyota, uh, Panasonic, or Sony are superstars in the Japanese exports. But if you examine the Japanese export items, uh, you will find a, major, a majority, or about 70% of uh, consists of machinery, and about half of them are parts exports. Actually, the parts exports are approximately double of car exports. So it's a big one. Someone say that uh, Japan is a lack of natural resources, but abundant with uh, artificial resources, uh, which is uh, parts. And these products are mainly produced by uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. And the parts are usually capital goods and not consumer goods. 
So they, they are not advertisement, advertised. So ordinary people don't know the name of the company or the name of the uh, items. But uh, uh, it, it's a very, uh, uh, how they say, strong competitiveness in a sense. Some of them have uh, 70% or 80% of the world, ship, uh, world market share. And uh, what is interesting is uh, uh, their rivals, competitors, uh, they are not uh, getting to that market. Yeah. Because uh, they know that uh, uh, the market is so small that more than two companies can survive there. Uh, can, cannot survive, sorry. For that reason, the company can enjoy the monopolistic profits. So in that sense, they are very strong. Yeah. It does not necessarily mean that they are stable or the safe. Because a big threat, biggest threat to them is a technological innovation. Uh, when the technological innovation happens, uh, their demand uh, will eliminate or di disappear overnight. For instance, the shift from the internal combustion engine uh, to electric vehicles can, can, be a, a co can cause such kind of changes. So, uh, the size is not a disadvantage for them, but mm. rather uh, whether they can keep up the technical change. It's 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 also it's it's itself is the lifeline for them. That's my view. That, that's very interesting. That that also relates actually to the second major issue that I'd like to discuss with you today. Um, family business in the twenty first century. To um, are they adjusting to? different economic circumstances. But before we get to that, um, um, Dr. Kasperi, what would you say is the situation in Germany, if you if you can tell? Um, is this um, similar that um, small and medium-sized enterprise, do they focus mainly on um, on intermediate goods, like, like parts that are used by other larger companies, for example? Definitely, yes, there is a very similar structure, but, um, but I would say that the, the size is maybe uh, slightly larger than in Japan. In Japan, the number of the very, very small family businesses is quite large. And uh, in, in Germany, this is the reason why we have the word Mittelstand in Germany, because this is the medium-sized uh, companies who are in the intermediate yes, um, area and, to, uh, for instance, in the car industry, and uh, maybe they do not want to, to get listed. Yeah, so they have a different attitude toward um, risk management and they want to want to be independent, independent from other um, ownership structures, you know, from, from stakeholders who are just interested in short-term um, profits. Yeah, and so they want to keep the money uh, with, in, within themselves because maybe um, it's, it's an, an historical um, issue as well. Because, because in the in the in the first decades of the, the 20th century, there were so, so many losses uh, due to um, Capital crises or to, to um, uh, share uh, crises, and so therefore there is a, a reluctance crisis, yeah. mm -hmm. on going on to be listed, and so um, they they keep a little bit out of of this listed company issue. They want yeah. do not want to become too big because they become dependent on other stakeholders. Yeah? Mm -hmm. If you want to maintain your family business, you need to maintain the control, and you need to control, uh, of course, the finance uh, financial side um, better than. Uh, and the employees decide, and um, of course, um, yeah, um, maybe a little bit the social side and 
where you are. And this is where they focus on. And I totally agree um, that uh, yeah, the community is a very, very important point and decide on where you set up your business. And if you look at the numbers of employees, the non-listed um, family businesses, they had a larger contribution to, um, to um, increase the workforce in the past decade than the listed non-family companies. Yeah. Yes. So, so they, you know, because of risk sharing, they set up the production side outside of Germany, but inside the, the the family business they had a larger contribution to maintain the workforce and maybe the the, the, the attitude towards the workforce is um, another aspect which is important for family business which uh, we should not miss here yeah thank you yeah that's very interesting um we had another interesting question um, which I wanted to ask you all um, briefly um by a Japanese viewer um who said that um in uh, Japan, the, the corporate tax um, for small and medium-sized enterprises is fairly high, but it's fairly low for large companies. Um, abroad, in Germany, I assume, for example, um, it's supposed to be the opposite. Um, is that so? And if so, how would you explain that? That there's a, such, such a marked contrast between taxation for large companies and small and medium-sized enterprises? Who's going to answer this? Yeah, who, who would like to? Dr. Kaspari, do you want to? This is, this is a similar ahead. thing for Germany, and Germany, of course, has um, um, a, a large burden, um, which is voiced by family business of the social contribution um, of the obligations for employees to, on social uh, contribution payments for insurances. And this is this yeah. is very high, and so we, we we lose a little bit the competition um, we have on the other side. So there's pros and cons on why to be a family business or why to mm -hmm. be a medium-sized company or a small-sized companies. And uh, the one is, is definitely yes, the high tax burden, and uh, yeah, the, the reason why why you know uh, the, the complaint is similar in Germany and in Japan. Also, it's the same in, in, or similar in Germany yeah. that that taxation for for um, smaller Larger businesses. Companies are, is okay. Yeah, so what, what support? I think there was beforehand um, a question on the, you know, whether there would be a policy. Yes, what the family business would love to have for a policy is that they leave us independent yeah, and make a, make a nice environment that we can, we can you know, have our freedom for do entrepreneurship like we do want to do that and not to do it like the stakeholders and the shareholders want us yeah. to do. Yeah, so this is a little bit um, the, the question to the to the to the policymakers. Yeah, thank you. Um, we've talked already about succession, um, and th there was also a question from the audience about the age structure of the owners oh. of uh, family businesses in Germany and Japan. Uh, Professor Goto, can you can you comment on that? What what's currently sort of the average age structure of uh, family-run business owners? I am not totally sure about what you are asking. You are asking about succession, but in what perspective are you asking succession? About the, um, most people who, who own um, family businesses, um, are they older nowadays? Are we at a point where, where there, there should be succession and where it's a question whether it will happen? Or are most uh, of them already younger, sort of the next generation? Let me again respond to your question based upon the data. 
I made research in the year of 2005 to find out the average age of the companies in Japan to find out non-listed companies, majority of course family business, okay? The age, average age of that point was 59.1, this was the age, 59.1 years old. Interestingly, I traced backward every for every 10 years. 10 years ago, the age was younger. Further, 20 years ago, younger. Back to the age, uh, back to the year of 1964, I arrived to find out average age of the companies in Japan was 39 years old. Very young, isn't it? It is, yes. So from 39 years to 59.1 years, step by step, gradually, the company's president got older. Now, this moment, so the average age of Japanese companies is well over 65, okay? Now, what is the average age of president or CEO in the world? According to the research in the United States, average age of CEO over the world is 53 years. So 53 versus 65. Significant difference, does yes, it? Exist. it However, nowadays there is polarization existing. Some companies had succession, including that situation under the coronavirus. I observed, I found many, many companies which had succession at the, under this very adverse situation to find out young generation is necessary to run the company under such kind of circumstances. Mm. So some companies getting a younger generation as a CEO, but quite a large portion of family business still stays with aged president. Mm. Do I answer your question? Yes, yeah, that's very interesting. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Kaspari, what's the situation in Germany? Is it similar? Yes and no, but it just depends a little bit. Um, family business is so a, so a, a diverse topic. So there are family business which, when they are re- relatively small or in a let's say type of a patriarchal logic, yeah, then maybe the the the, the patriarch is very long um, in office and uh, maybe hesitates to give hand over to the next generation. Yeah, there are family businesses um, who want to hand over early. Yeah, and where the, the, the patriarch or the founder or the, the elder generation um, wants wants to get out a little bit and have a more distant view on the family business. Yeah, so it depends yeah. a little bit the sector we are on the business we are. Yeah, if on on the on the individuals, but and also on the family. If there is a, a plan to family succession, and this is what we um, yeah do a little bit of some consulting when doing research. We do, yeah. are having an active research. Yeah, let's say. Um, consent that we that family business is very trust related issue. Yeah, if in order to get out information from from a family business, you need to know the family behind the business, and this is where we are interested in. You now, how, how is the family composed? Yeah, who is who is the owner? Who is the how they deal within? How they deal with conflict? Yeah, yeah. yeah don't believe family business is without conflict. 
Of course, I, 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 I would imagine it's, it's to, yeah. It's, they it's, need to manage it somehow, yeah. And so there are some businesses who say, okay, we leave that to the next generation. Yeah. yeah because every generation, yeah, needs to def define themselves, and they make a succession plan, plan, and they make a succession plan on how and who and when, yeah, in order not to be, not to be, yeah, um, let's say. Um, coming to difficulties when there is a sudden crisis. And yeah. this is especially so with long-living companies. Now they know they need to have a, a succession plan in order to have a smooth transition. Maybe too would, long. Would you, would, you, would you say, is it in the 21st century now because of how internationalization is playing out or... I don't know, maybe um, younger people becoming even more independent than they were in the 20th century. Is it, is it getting harder to um, to assure the succession? Or is it the same problem that we had maybe 50 years ago or 100 years ago? We have a change. You cannot deny. You have a change in a society. We have a change in work-life balance. No, but nevertheless, um, the, there are um, yeah, hard evidence, statistical data that, that reveal that uh, even the in this case, the, the, the family businesses um, regarding to work-life uh, balances are the more attractive um, job offers. Yeah? So young people who to have um, a different uh, opinion on maybe the elder generation, they do not want to have a 60-70 hour uh, job week, yeah? um, hours a week job. They want to have more free time to share. And uh, so, of course, they, are, they have a different understanding on how to manage. Yeah? Yeah. And this is something but every company needs to to, to um, somehow take into account even in japan and um, yeah this is the reason why a number of companies comes up with a with a succession plan and this is what we advise advise to do so in a, in a very early stage on when to talk to the successor whom to to how to educate the successor um or maybe um how to proceed with your core business to stay with the core business or to yeah and to, and to to get out of different business um, models and so on and so on and this yeah. is what was uh, extremely now we have a digitalization a pressure for digitalization in this COVID nineteen crisis and pandemic and uh, yeah and family business were very flexible and and very immediate yeah we come back to the to your question on innovation yes they whenever they could they could. Uh, do so, of course, there is the bottleneck of uh, resources and the larger companies, of course, can invest more resources. And there is a very, very new uh, thing what we are going to develop from now on. And this is um, on how to to yeah, make or to match, put it this way, startups with family business. And this is a very, very new issue in, in Germany. Yeah, I think in, in in America maybe slightly different because of historical reasons. Yes or no? Uh, I don't know exactly about how Japan is, but startups and and German family business is still something which which need to, to find to be matched. Uh, so yeah. some some reluctance because of this long long term um, dimension or the view on the on the business. Yeah. Innovation, that's, that's a essential point or the, the question of how um, family business might be adjusting to um, the requirements or the challenges of the 21st century. You already mentioned digitalization. Um, Professor Nagata, you mentioned before um, that it might actually be a, a strong point of family business or smaller companies, that they're more flexible, that, that they can adjust easier. Um, how and Preparing for this talk, I, I read different articles. On the one hand, um, 
with large companies, you have economies of scale. You know, they they they're probably financially maybe more independent. Um, these um, some of them. Um, at the same time, there there seem to be distinct advantages for smaller businesses. Um, Professor mm -hmm. Nagata, what would be, be your, your assessment for the uh, for the next years or the next decades? Would is is it a, a time where smaller businesses? I'm, I'm mixing a little bit here SMEs and, and family businesses. Of course, they're bigger ones as well. But where there's a distinct advantage for smaller companies? Uh, as I explained, uh, the size itself, the small smaller size, does not necessarily mean that they are disadvantaged. Rather, in some cases, uh, in a uh, changing. Uh, age at the 21st century, they can easily change their course. And uh, uh, so in that sense, it is more flexible and it uh, can become an advantage. But at the same time, as I said, the scale is sometimes uh, important for business, especially network, human network, the network between the companies, because uh, they need uh, information about many things, policy change, technical change, or the behavior of the competitors. So uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a related uh, previous uh, question about the uh, uh, business succession. Uh, I'm an educator in some sense, <laughs> in, in a way, uh, at the university. Uh, from my experience, uh, apart from the family business, what is important for young people is the hope for the vision for the future. Without that, if they have a such concrete vision. They are excited and uh, maybe they improve their ability or make an enormous effort to do that. So I, in, my, in my view, the frontier for family business is an international alliance. Mm. So if they go to the other countries, for instance, the Japanese company, uh, success, success, uh, yeah, sons or daughters go to that. United States or Germany and the land, what's going on there and make a human network, it stimulate them, in my understanding. Or the vice versa, the German uh, companies uh, will visit our company. So it make uh, some, uh, because of that uh, encounter, they will make uh, some alliance or contract or something. And it's a big frontier. Yeah. One yeah. thing that I'm, I'm taking out of this talk is um, that there's really a, a large role for um, the next generation to be educated, to uh, a role for consulting, maybe also on part of, of um, your institutes or uh, research being done on family businesses about how, how succession or changing to, to the environment should happen. Um, Professor Nagata, you mentioned the, the issue of, of information, how com um, companies uh, uh, obtain information. There's another related issue maybe um, about research and development. Um, how, how does this play out with family businesses in, in Germany, in Japan, especially the smaller ones? Because I think there maybe um, the fact that they are small, that they can't do that much research in-house, might be difficult. Do they do they work closely with external partners, universities, for example, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, maybe uh, that is one of the reasons why we established a new uh, research institute for family business. Uh, of course, there are a lot of uh, academic questions uh, about the family business, but um, we try to focus on the more pragmatic aspect, including uh, business succession. So. If we want to be uh, some uh, intermediate uh, between uh, 
for instance, the German companies or uh, Japanese companies. And if the young people meet and discuss, that is said itself a stimulate uh, their uh, yeah, behavior. And uh, that is one of the important uh, function of, of our institute. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think there was also a uh, publication by a Japanese um, research institute on economics um, from maybe 10 years ago that also evaluated um, university industry cooperation. And I think it was also very clear there that a lot of smaller companies tend to cooperate um, a lot with universities in order, I think, to obtain research um, results or to, to, to outsource yeah, research. Yeah. Scientific or engineering field, uh, that is very common. Yeah, uh, some university got a research fund from the government and uh, with uh, operations, medium-sized or small-sized companies, they make a new products or technology they invent. So that's a very important function in our yeah. economy. Now, now, one challenge that we haven't talked about yet is the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, Obviously, smaller companies have been um, very hard um, hit um, in, in many countries, Germany, Japan as well. Um, how, how would you say um, German and Japanese family businesses are dealing with the, the current situation? Um, what are, can, can they recover from, from the setback? Are they using it as an opportunity? Yes, Professor Goto, as an opportunity to, tra to transform. I can answer to your question based upon research which you, I conducted. Back last year, how family business, especially long-lived family businesses, responded to coronavirus to find out two major surprising facts. Number one, they are doing much better than the rest of the comp companies. Really? Because, because of the past accumulation of profits. So they have a high liquidity at hand. This is one finding. Number two, num yes, very interesting. And the second finding, which was very interesting to me, is those long-lived family businesses are cooperating with neighboring companies, communities, to support the resilience as a community. So they are saying, I do not survive by myself alone. I do survive together with our colleagues in the community. So this is what I found to that my pleasure. Very, yeah, that is very so, interesting actually. And so it shows, mm. Answer to your question is, if any company do this kind of way of I'm being, supporting each other, they can resilience, they can get the resilience much quicker. And also my fundamental question to myself is, What is capitalism in post-corona? Yeah. Post-corona capitalism, I'm talking of capitalism 4.0. Again, back to this book, which was written by German, Gemeinschaft versus Gesellschaft. This was written in 1884. I'm th thinking, I'm answering to my question, saying post-corona society is more toward Gemeinschaft which means more attractiveness will be with family business. 
It sounds like it's actually a uh, a business model, the, the family-run business that might um, might be very um, stable or may, might be a good uh, model for the the future or to to cope with uh, challenges and with with crises. Um, Dr. Kaspari, would, would you agree also from the perspective of Germany? Definitely yes. We had one of our professors, Professor Klaus, who conducted a similar research and. Um, and to have the similar findings that the first point what the family business did, that they did better, they secured liquidity. Yeah, this is the first point, the liquidity. And then they kept the employees more than uh, the, the non-family um, um, businesses. Yeah, so they, they were keen on keeping the employees the knowledge within, yeah, not laying off people. Yeah, so this is the, the, the other found, finding. And then, of course, there might be a, a, a more quicker adaptation of business models going more into online business or digitalization as soon as possible and to define very clearly what the core business is. And again, come back to my point of the craft. The craft is most important for the family, be it the development of a car, go for PA, he was an excellent engineer, yeah, or even winter um, corn is an excellent engineer. So this engineering is important. So this F and E is important. Yes, this is the core business. As long as it is the core business, this is important for the family business. And yeah, this is what they did in, in in the crisis. They kept the core business and they kept the family together and showed resilience. It's a very similar finding. Yeah. I think we've been able today to, to touch upon a lot of um, topics that also um, seem to lend itself to very interesting research. We've, we've talked about resilience now, um, adjusting to crises, to changing environments. We, we've talked about the structure of businesses. Um, now, now you're all involved uh, with family businesses. Um, Etaka University, Professor Nagata, um, you're establishing actually a new um, institute. Professor Goto, I think you're um, this year about to publish um, the third version of the, the white book on Japanese family businesses. Is it is it already published or when when is no, it? No, 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 we are going to. This okay. is the second version which I have here. And we are going to, or we aim to publish the third one in the fall, autumn of this year. To oh, expand yeah. it. Yes. And uh, this you, you're publishing, I think, every two or every three years, a, a new book? more. Every or two or three years. Okay. Right. This, this is a very exciting time. And uh, Dr. Kaspari, um, we should, we mentioned it at the onset, is also, the, in fact, the largest European institute um, for, for family businesses. Now, we are slowly coming to, to the end of our talk today, but um, from, from your perspective um, of researchers on family business or on, on economics, um, what, what kind of open questions do need to be addressed? What are things that um, where, where research can actually contribute? Oh, there are very many things, and uh, what we do together is uh, to do uh, research um, with Retako University and Japan University of Economics, is to do research on narratives, which is a very new um, project we are setting up now. And another one is um, a research on rituals. On, okay. Yeah, this is, this is something what we're, it's very new, but there are so on, many. On rituals, you mean rituals involved in, uh, in, in, in uh, daily business and really? in petition and handing over the company. Yeah, so um, there is the idea that those uh, family business who keep the rituals um, perform better. This at least was uh, one thesis um, or one, one 
yeah, uh, thing which uh, we discussed with uh, Ritako University a couple of uh, days ago. Yeah, so this is this is maybe maybe a new aspect, but there are very many other aspects for family business. Education is one. Yeah, how to educate uh, the next generation. Yeah, when to tell, how to tell, and so on. Governance, how to governance, uh, uh, how to to educate the the larger family if they are in, and not involved hands on. Yeah, so there are there are many many aspects. Yeah, it is fascinating. Thank you so much. Would you? Uh... Professor Nagata, Professor Goto, would you like to add anything else that um, big questions that uh, still need to be addressed by research on family business over the next years? Maybe one more. Intercultural. Oh, intercultural. Oh, yeah. Professor Nagata also mentioned that um, inter in, um, international cooperation, that's true. I, I would also right. imagine that to be an important um, topic. Professor Goto, yes? Mm. I say key factors for longevity this is exactly what every family business is seeking for we have to answer that and i'm i'm looking forward to your research since you've been dealing <laughs> with this topic for many years yes yes <laughs> yeah count on me professor Nagata, would you like to have the the final word uh, uh, questions yeah. that uh, maybe there is a myth that the, the medium-sized uh, small companies or the family business is uh, weak and should be protected. But uh, that is not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Professor Kodo, uh, Kondo, uh, who used to work as an executive of his family business, said that uh, sometimes uh, government protection is counter-effective. So, <laughs> If they exposed to the international competition, maybe it strengthens. So, uh, of course, it varies depending on the situation. But uh, what is hope in front of us is that, uh, in one side, we cooperate with each other, as uh, Professor Goto said. But at the same time, it is inevitable to compete with each other. We cannot become uh, uh, strong. strong without avoiding that. So that's that my point, and uh, I'd like to do my best to uh, develop our institute for the society of Japanese, Japanese society as well as the Japanese family business. Yeah, I, I think this is a very nice note to, to conclude our talk today. Thank you all very much uh, for your time today. Um, I, for one, have certainly learned a lot about a, uh, a part of economics that so far I have um, not paid much attention to, but I will certainly do that more in the future. Um, thanks also, everyone, for watching today. Um, if you want to get in touch with our uh, guests today, please check out our website. You can find all the relevant information there. Um, we see um, each other again on um, the 1st of June. Um, this time again on the first Tuesday of the month. Uh, you can mark your calendars for our next talk, uh, which will focus on the ethics of artificial intelligence. Um, a different, uh, but also a very uh, pertinent, very important topic. Um, if you want to leave feedback uh, for us, there's a link on our website. As usual, we appreciate your feedback in order to um, 
work on our um, on the topics or find new and interesting power topics also please check out our website our social media channels for news and events on um, upcoming events um, and if you care also please subscribe to our newsletter to stay um, abreast on research and innovation news from germany and japan thank you all very much and see you at the next coffee talk yeah